It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports, and my co-host, as always, Sean Smith of A to Z Sports. We are here. It is episode 73, um, late March, the final crunch of the season. There's nine games left. Um, we are recording a couple of days late. Um, if you saw on Twitter, it is because we needed to um, give some space for all the news that happened this week. We are going to uh, obviously, it has been a very, very difficult week for most people in Nashville um, and, and elsewhere, uh, Sean and I included. Um, so we wanted to give some space to that, but we are now recording and we're going to talk about the Preds because we need to try to get back to normal and and try to just, um, you know, re- rebuild some semblance of normalcy. Uh, so we're going to do that. We're going to talk about uh, the Predators this week. And one big thing that happened, Sean. Yep. I bring you into the conversation here. Yeah. The Predators won, won a game. <laughs> well, they, it's not just that they won a game, Alex. I mean, you, you got to think, realistically speaking, they've won quite a few games this season, and it's it's not that you'd always just automatically count them out. It's just that they won a very big game, I guess you could say. The Predators went into the garden, the TD garden. Wow. And they played the Boston Bruins, who are the league's best team and could set the record for most wins ever in a season, which is previously set by the Red Wings of 96 at 62 wins. They could break that if they have if they go on a nice run here at the end. Uh, they're definitely going to be the President's Trophy winners. And uh, the Predators beat them 2-1. to one. Yeah. <laughs> With a roster that includes... Um, let's, let's count them out, shall we? Okay. One, two, three, four, five, s- nope, not him, uh, six, seven, and I'll let you know what I'm counting here in a second. Seven, seven players who are 25 years old or younger, seven players, seven of their 20 players were 25 years or younger some of those 21 and 23 and 22 year olds um you know guys like igor afanasiev and luke evangelista and tommy novak philip tomasino um i include cal foot in that jeremy lozon is 25 so i mean he's been on the team all year but what did you think of that and uh how unlikely did you think that was going to be the that that was going to happen so I, I'm not someone who automatically counts any team out on any given night. I think, you know, the, the whole thing of, you know, any team on any given night can win any given game against what I mean, I, I get that aspect of sports. And I, I think, you know, I look back on the, my own lessons I've learned as as a, as a sports fan throughout time, you know, especially um, growing up an Oakland A's fan in the late 80s, you know, you felt like they were unstoppable, but then the 88 world series happens and you're like, how is that even possible? Like, 
<laughs> what, what, what just happened. And of course I was young, but I remember feeling like that, that shouldn't have happened, but that's when you realize, you know, sports are, it's always up in the air. There's no guaranteed win. There's no guaranteed loss. There's no guarantee that one outcome is going to happen. If that, if that were the case, then, you know, this whole new fun sports betting thing wouldn't even be a market, right? Um, anything can happen. So going into the game, I didn't just automatically go, huh, well, the Preds are losing this one. Um, but I can't say that I, I felt like chances were very high that they would. And I'm not tr- saying that to discount any of the players or the team. It's just that Boston is a juggernaut right now. I mean, they are literally setting the world of hockey on fire. They're melting the ice. So to me, it's it's just... I don't know. You can't look at that matchup and look at, like you just said, the players that are on the team right now and say, well, the Preds have a really solid chance of winning this game because I I don't think realistically they did have a really solid chance of winning the game. It's also about what happened the last time that these two teams played, right? Right. Last time these two teams played, Nashville had almost a full roster. The the only significant player that wasn't playing was Philip Forsberg. He's significant, obviously, but they still had Roman Yossi. Ryan Johansson hadn't been injured yet. They still hadn't traded Nino Niederreiter or um, Tanner Janot or Ekholm. So they had all those players, and they still had a healthy Matthew Shane and, and Johansson, like I said. And they lost 5 to nothing. And, Sean, I don't even know if it was that close. I mean, they were just toast from, from the get-go. Like, it was so one-sided. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't even funny. No. And then for that team to go out and, like – now, look, the, the Predators were not – if you look at the, the numbers, and I think we need to have an honest take here, uh, The really UC Soros is the only reason they won. I mean, he was he was gigantic in that game. Uh, the, the Predators did give up quite a lot on the ice. Like, they, they were they were kind of caved in from a, from a shot attempt standpoint. Um, but I do – I actually don't think it was as bad maybe as you might think. So, like, the, the shot numbers were crazy. I mean – Overall in the game, the, the Bruins had 74 shot attempts. That's including special teams, by the way. 74 shot attempts to Nashville's 42. So, like, almost double. And so that's a lot. <laughs> uh, and But then you look at the expected goals. And so, obviously, expected goals take into account the shot quality, right? So, like, if you get 74 shot attempts, but they're all from the blue line, that's not a lot of shot quality. If you get 74 shot attempts from the slot, that's a huge number of shot quality. So the the Bruins overall had a shot an expected goals output of just over three. Three goals is what you would have expected uh, any team giving those shots in those scenarios to score three goals. Well, they scored one. So obviously UC Soros was a huge part of that. Uh, he's a big reason why. But if you give up 74 shot attempts, you would expect a lot more than three goals, I would think. Yeah. I mean, it, looking at those shot numbers, I would have expected the numbers to be close to like five or six. Yeah. So I think they actually did a pretty good job. The, the, you, I think you can give the defense and the, the forwards credit for keeping everything to the outside. Here's here's a detail that I think most people might miss that I think is important to, to keep a track of this. There's a way in which you can look at uh, average shot length. So the average shot distance from uh, from the goalie. So like, how far away was the puck from the goalie when it was shot? Uh, 
Now that's not everything because if a shot that's 10 feet away right in front of him is much more dangerous than shot that's 10 feet away, you know, along a t tough angle, right? So like it's, it's not exactly the same thing, but it generally does tell you something. The average shot distance in last night's Bruins game, Bruins Preds game on UC Soros was 48 feet. Okay. Wow. 48 feet, which is pretty far away. I mean, like that's normally you see numbers on like the 30 or 35 range. Yeah. And for example, the Kraken game on Saturday where the Kraken destroyed the Predators like 70 or seven to two, uh, 38 feet. So 10 yeah. feet, an average shot distance of 10 feet closer. Uh, and one of those, by the way, was that uh, Ellie Tolvanen play where UC Soros misplayed the or misplayed the pass and all that. So like, <laughs> so one of those was on a wide open net. But um, anyways, my point is, uh, yes, UC Soros won them the game, but I think you can give the, the defense some credit for for keeping a really dangerous Boston team outside and kind of far away from him you know i i agree and i think the biggest thing for me and this you know this is eye test hockey here we're talking but um something that my wife always says when we're watching the preds play against some teams is it seems like the other teams are either on the power play the whole time or that the preds are on the penalty kill the whole time not in a sense that there's a lot of penalties but in the sense that it seems like they're outnumbered um, and I really felt like at any given point, whenever Boston had the puck, it seemed like there was a swarm of Preds around them uh -huh. and they really limited a lot of their passing and shooting options really well. Um, and you could, you, I think you could see that visibly just watching the game that they were having a really hard time getting up close. They were having a really hard time getting anything set up in yeah. a, in a high danger area. Um, and, you know, I think with all the talk recently uh, about the penalty kill. And oh, I was just, just going to say penalty kill. Yeah. You know, that mindset of, of the way the penalty kill plays, it's almost like they brought the penalty kill mindset to five on five. Yeah, um, yeah, def definitely. And and the, the penalty kill was outstanding last night for the Predators. Yeah. Like yet, yet again. I mean, what was like over four, the over, over four, over five or something like that. The, the uh, Bruins went, they had yeah. a total of nine shot attempts in just under nine minutes uh, power play time. Yeah. That's like crazy low. I mean, for Boston, yeah. I mean, their power play is like really good. I mean, th that's crazy low. Only nine shot attempts because the forwards were doing, a, were, were providing a lot of aggression, a lot of pressure and, and forcing the next play to be um, not as, not exactly what they wanted to do. And, and I mean, and UC Soros is stopping the pucks. Like it just was, yeah. The penalty kill is such a huge part of what this team is actually good at right now. And uh, you got to think that's a big uh, piece moving forward, especially next year. Because all those guys are going to be back again. I mean, Cole Smith will be back. Uh, Jakob Trenin will be back. Uh, I guess Jankowski, who's been on the penalty kill a lot. I don't know about him, but Colton Sissons obviously will be back. And then, like, the defense will be – it's going to be Fabro and McDonough and, and Lausanne and um, – uh, I guess we'll see about Cal foot. I don't know, but he, he gets a lot of PK time. So yeah, the penalty kills like a huge part of what the team is good at right now. And I, I think seeing it kind of, I don't know, leak over into five on five play. And, and maybe that's just the fact that a lot of the guys that are playing right now are, you know, your penalty killers, um, you know, really 
I think that really kind of started to, to impact the way they were playing the game throughout the course of the night versus just on the penalty kill. And I think that especially against a team like Boston, it's not so much, you know, the success wasn't so much that they weren't getting shots up close or that, that Soros was stopping the shots up close is that they were preventing them from really getting their shots from where they wanted them to get. And and I think, yeah. you know, you think Marshan was I, getting Marshan especially was getting frustrated. You could tell. Yeah. Uh, big slammed, time. Slammed a stick to the ice at one point after a, after a stoppage of play. And um, almost, I mean, I had to rewind it because it looked like he almost hit someone with a stick. He was like, he's real mad. He gets, he gets a little whiny. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but they were, I mean, the, the, the forwards, I, again, I just want to just close that up by saying, and we're going to keep talking about this game because I got one thing to say about uh, the, the forward group, but um, they, you, you, you can obviously hand that victory to UC Soros. If he's not in the net, if he doesn't play the way he does, it's a, it's a loss, but uh, you cannot, uh, you need to give some credit to the, the, the team in front of him for playing the way they did. Um, I want to mention something about the forward group last night that I thought was interesting. Uh, but before we do that, we got to talk about relax the back, Sean, because Ooh. if you want to live better, feel better and sleep better every single day of your life, you need to check out relax the back. It has customized comfort options for the office, for relaxing at home, for sleeping at night. Uh, all the, excuse me, all the ergonomic office chairs and zero gravity chairs uh, that you need to get your spine in the correct position so you can work better every day. These things are, are magical pieces of furniture because you can sit in them, push the button or pull, pull the lever, and you will instantly be transported into a zero-gravity position that uh, gets your spine in the right position. It's, it's the way it works. It's, it's science, man. It's science the way it works. It's great. Um, they also have quality recovery options. Uh, if you've been injured or if you're just recovering from a workout, massage chairs, recliners, foot massagers, back massagers, all of it right there in the store. You can test them out uh, and, and see which one works for you. Speaking of which, in order to do that, you've got to go to the store to check it out. Relax the back in Green Hills. It's at 2020 Glen Echo Road, uh, right there in the heart of Green Hills. And a sleep agent is on hand every day to talk to you about the options that they have. Go in there, talk to Glenn, see all the stuff they have to offer. He owns the store and, uh, he will also tell you about the four pillars of wellness, healthy sleep, healthy body, healthy work, and healthy mind. All right. Um, I wanted to mention something about the forward group because obviously this is the first game since Matt Duchesne is out for some time. Um, real quick, the injury list. Roman Yossi, don't know when he'll be back. Philip Forsberg, don't know when he'll be back. Ryan Johansson has like, you know, a couple months left. Uh, Alex Carrier has a few weeks left. Matt Duchesne is now week to week. Yuso Parson, don't know anything. Mark Borbietsky, probably concussion, probably not back. Did I miss anybody? I think that's everybody. I think so. Um, so this was the first game without Matt Duchesne, who has been the lone, you know, scoring veteran that's been been back. He leads the team in goals. So without him in place, did you see the top six, Sean? The top six playing in that game? Yeah. Pretty uh, <clears throat> pretty impressive. Oldest, the oldest player in the top six, most veteran player in the top six, Kiefer Sherwood. 27 years old. How many games? How many career games? How many career games would you guess Keeper Sherwood has? If you just 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 take a stab at it. Career games. 45. More. 50. Way more. 
75. 110. Okay. Because he started in Anaheim and then he played to Colorado and now he's in Nashville. So 110 games. So the the grizzled veteran of the group has a, had 110 career games uh, alongside Tommy Novak, Evangelista. And then on the top line was Cody Glass with Tomasino and Afanasiev, all young guys. Co- Actually, let me just double check. How many games does Cody Glass have? He might have yeah, misspoke. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm wrong. Cody Glass is 137. I forgot oh. he played more he played more time in, in Vegas than I remember. I, I always I think of so. it like he I always think of it like he debuted and played a half a season and then didn't come back. But he played he played 60 games in Vegas. Okay, okay so Cody Glass is the veteran of that group. Either way. My bad. Um okay. Really young though. I mean really young top six. And I just think like that that is a really good thing for for this team to have happening right now is for those those six players in particular maybe not sure what as much but those six players those five players Novak Evangelista Tomasino Glass and Afanasyev to be put on the ice in Boston against the best team in the in the country and the in the continent rather and to go out and find a way to win including you know Cody Glass getting a goal there. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I think I think what's really impressive too though is you take a lot of those young guys playing forward that we just listed, they're also playing very strong defensively. So it, it's mm-hmm. it's not just that they're able to go out and and put up a game where they're getting scoring chances but to find glass scoring, but they're also committed to stopping the other team and i think you know one of the i guess knocks you could kind of say a lot of younger players get coming in um if you look at some of the things that heinz has said about younger players is that they're not as strong um, when they're not trying to score they're not as strong defensively they're not as strong away from the puck and so to see a very young group come in and be able to commit to that style of play especially against such a high-powered team uh, just it's a very it was a very complete game from those guys. I think. Yeah, the off puck speed. I talked about. I asked John Hines about that last week at practice. Just um, you know, the differences between trying to play direct and playing to, trying to play east west. You know, what what are the how does he approach it with these young players? And uh, he basically said like the the most important thing is is to get the off puck speed up. You know, like that. Yeah. When the, when Glass is coming up the ice, for example, and Tomasino's on the outside, that that as soon as the zone is gained, or at least be- right before, that Tomasino has got to get on his horse, right? He's got right. to be moving. He's got to be moving up the ice and and breaking through that defensive structure to try to create some space, to try to create some chaos, in order for Glass to have a little bit more room to work. And then if, if but if it's oh, let's say or if the puck is coming from the out from the outside, say Tomasino has the puck moving it up, Afanasiev or Glass or Evangelista, whoever it is, on the other side needs to get wide, needs to get get moving and and get up the ice with some speed so that the middle can open up. And then late, you know, a defenseman can pinch up, or maybe the center comes up late, like Novak or somebody. So like there's a lot of a lot of movement happening there, and and I think that that's they, they've shown the ability to do that. So, well, that's, and that's, again, those are the types of things I think when you talk about play away from the puck, right? 
I mean, those are a lot of the things that you don't think about. Most people would assume, well, you get the puck, you go down the ice as fast as you can. The guys, you know, try to catch up with you to be there for, you know, uh, rebound attempts and stuff like that. But there's a lot that you can do as a forward, as a defender, without the puck to make things better or easier for the guy that does have it. I think I talked about this a lot at the beginning of the season um, in regards to Duchesne needing space and and how to create space for him. I think I put an article out about it that was, I want to say, it was really close to the beginning of the season. But um, th- I think those are the things a lot of people don't think about is, okay, well, if this guy can get down there, he's going to open up more space for the guy with the puck. And with more space or more time, he's able to do more things and get set up better or have a better chance, eh, things like that. But um, I think those are a lot of the things that people just kind of don't really think about. And they see or they they hear, you know, I, I think back again to all the, all the discussion about Tolvanen before he was waived, you know, about – wanting him to be a defensive player versus, uh, you know, a guy who is an offensive threat. Um, it really it really comes down to if you, as a player, are doing everything you can do on the ice, whether you have the puck or not, I mean, that's, that's going to be the difference between uh, a guy that is a complete player or a guy that is just kind of showing up and doing one thing. Now, I'm not – go ahead. I, I want to bring up a, a sensitive subject here, but okay. what you just described is exactly the complaint that the Predators had about Ellie Tolvanen. Right. He wasn't a complete player. Now, obviously something has clicked in Seattle. I'm not saying that he's not good in Seattle. But they, they the, what they want to do is have this sort of all-around complete player that can can has his off-puck movements just as strong as his, his on-puck movements and to be able to play with some speed whenever he doesn't have the puck. So, like, maybe that's what they saw with Tolvanen. Right. And, and it's possible that Hackstall's system doesn't require that. I mean, I, I haven't studied his system at all, so I don't know. But um, I don't know. It just, just thought about that when you said that. No, it, it, it's it's definitely something to consider, and I just think when you bring that up and you talk about it that way, I think maybe you know uh, again, not saying that the complaints about Tolvanen were merited or correct, but it, it's definitely something where if you see, well, he's having success in in Seattle. Okay, why is he having success in Seattle? Is he playing on a mm. different line than he was playing on here? Is he surrounded by different talent because of that? It, does the system benefit him as someone who wants to go shoot the puck versus someone who wants to commit to, you know, letting someone else have more time to get set up? It just, uh, just, there's a lot of factors yeah. there, I guess. Yeah. So um, I also want to mention this, I, it, obviously the um, of the top six glass and Sherwood were the veterans of that, of that top six, but old faithful Colton Sissons. Yeah was the real veteran. I mean, he's basically the on ice captain for the team last night. I mean, he, he, I don't think he's not wearing the C because that's, that's Yossi's, but he is since Duchesne is gone, since Yossi's gone, since Forsberg is gone, it's basically Colton Sisson's team right now. Right. Right. So do you know who Colton Sisson's, his line with Trennan and Smith was matched up with all night last night? Uh, Pasternak's line. The Bergeron, Marsha and Pasternak line. Yeah. All night, 
that yep. dude had to chase around three of the best players in the NHL. <laughs> now, he did not the, – the numbers aren't pretty. <laughs> he, he did not generate a lot of offense. I say he. His line did not generate a lot of offense. They gave up a lot of shot attempts against that line. But while, he, while he's doing that, guess what Cody Glass and Tommy Novak and Evangelista and Tom Sino are not having to do? Play against those guys. Worry about those guys. Now it's harder on yeah. the road. You can't line match as well on the road, but you can do it. I mean, it's it's harder. You got to have quick line changes, and you got to be you know got to plan it. But uh, yeah, I mean, Tommy Novak playing against Tyler Bertuzzi and Trent Frederick and Charlie Coyle. I mean, like those are good players, but they're not Patrice Bergeron. No. And Cody Glass playing against. Uh, he played mostly against. Uh, let's see the Krejci line. So with Pavel Zaka and Jake DeBrusque. So. Yeah, I mean that that's a huge advantage uh to be able to to throw Colton Sissons. I mean, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but like Col- Colton Sissons at this point is just like he's I don't know, I don't know cars, so I'm going to mess this up, but he's what what's a really sturdy, reliable vehicle that like no matter what year it is, no matter what body type, it's just always you can he, always count on it. He's a pickup truck. Is that what okay. you're saying? I guess okay. So he's a pickup. Okay, trainer. yeah, that's what he is. I mean, he's just such a reliable part of this team that can he gets it done, right? He just you just picture the guy in the in the field throwing rocks or paint cans or bags of hay or whatever whatever farmers do uh, into the bags back, of hay, bags of hay, yeah, bags of hay and paint cans into the back of his truck and shutting it and slamming it, and the dog jumps into the truck. And uh, he drives off, and it says, "Getting it done, Colton Sissons." Get, getting it done. That's. <laughs> I don't know why one would need a bag of hay. That doesn't seem like the most effective method of hay How transportation. Else you transport hay in, in a bale, picking it. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I mean. I, I mean a bale. Yeah. <laughs> I like bags better. Bags of hay and paint cans. Got to go yeah. out and get all my hay painting done. <laughs> right. So I just feel like that's what he is right now, and and I think that you can't. I, and, and they're doing, and he, they're getting that from what? What does he make? Two million? I mean, he's such a cheap yeah. player. Two point eight. Two, like that's such a reliable thing. People who were talking about trading Colton Sissons, like there's no reason to trade such a valuable guy who has a, such an easy cap hit. Like, yeah, don't trade. No, keep keep him in town forever for that. I mean, he, he is such a reliable part of this team. How how much do you think? The, the casual observer, especially when, all, you know, you still got all these other guys healthy, you know, they probably don't view Colton Sissons as that important to the team. Um, I think now that a lot of those other players are out, I think it should be much more obvious to people like, yeah, right, you look. Do. Uh, right. No, I, I was just going to say, you, you don't see a lot of Sissons jerseys walking around Bridgestone arena, right? No. I mean, maybe a couple, but yeah. he's not a flashy player. He's like the opposite of that. But right. he is a prototypical Nashville Predators forward. But like, I mean, he's one of the best defense uh, defensive center draws. Like he's really good on the faceoff dot. He he has some skill with the puck. He's not like crazy good, but he's he's got some. I and mean, he's scored plenty of goals in his career. Hat trick, Colton Sissons. I mean, we all remember that. Yeah. So. He has uh he he has this sort of legend like that's that's sort of 
he's a he's like a b-side player right he's not the a track he's not the he's not the main he's not the main top hit you know top 40 hits he's he's the b-side that everyone's like that song's great i love that yeah. song. great song it's never gonna be on the radio but it's a great song yeah like it's you're not gonna hear it on the radio but like tell your friends about it analogies at this point go ahead what keep going oh i was <laughs> it's like you're it's it's you're not gonna hear it on the radio but you're gonna tell your friends hey make sure you listen to this song on the back of the tape because people still listen to tapes um they do <laughs> No, I, I like I like the pickup truck analogy, and I think you know it's it's reliability, it's dependability, and also you know the, the other thing that a pickup truck can, truck can do is carry a heavy load, and he's you know bearing the weight of this team on his shoulders right now, and he's mm -hmm. he's not wavering at all. He's he's done the lion's share of the work here, especially taking that line on all night. It's like, look, you're going to go up against their best line, arguably one of the best lines in the NHL. And yeah. you're not going to have anything to show for it. But if you can do that, you're going to allow some chances for the rest of the guys to make it happen. Yeah. Um, it turns out that was really all you needed. So Right. Right. And I, I think him being around in this kind of scenario is good for the younger guys, too. Because if you had a if you had a guy in the locker room, a veteran guy who's like, you know, an older goal scorer. I don't know. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to offend anybody. But like an older goal scorer in the league who just like only really wants to go and shoot the puck. <clears throat> uh, that kind of uh, mentorship is different than what Sissons provides for yeah. someone like Cody Glass or Tommy Novak. It's like to see a guy like that out there on the ice who's just doing so many things well is huge for for a Cody Glass, who, for a 23-year-old like Cody Glass or, or, or Tommy Novak or whoever it is. So, yeah, it's, it's really, really good to see. I, I, I wonder – I do wonder what his legacy will be. Like, will Sissons? I think he, he'll always have the hat trick in the Western Conference Final. I don't know that he'll be able to ever beat that. That's just was. That's got to be num eight, you know number one on his list of like biggest moments, right? This guy, yeah, I think outside so. Outside of like they make the Stanley Cup Final and he scores the cup cup winning goal like that, that would probably beat it. But it's going to be hard to beat hat trick in the Western Conference Final to send your team to the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah, that's. That's always going to be not a lot of people get to do that. Um, but I think, too, you know, you, you mentioned kind of comparing, like, what would it be like if they had somebody else kind of leading the charge? You got to think. Sissons, what's the right way to put this? You know, unheralded maybe is going to be the best word. And I think um, when I've had chances to talk to Sissons, I've especially get them a lot during training camps. And it's kind of interesting because we've been able to see Sissons go from the young guy on the team to one of the veterans on the team. And it's, it's been really interesting to see that transition because I think he's very aware of it. I've asked him before, you know, you've, you've gone from being one of the young guys on the team to now being, um, you know, one of the guys who's been on the team the longest when you have, you know, these camps, uh, rookie, not rookie camps, but, um, you know, preseason training camp and things like that, where you've got a lot of guys that are uh, trying to make the team, trying to make an impression, trying to do these things. Like, how, how do you kind of view that role um, as you've gone from now being one of the guys trying to get in to one of the guys that everybody kind of looks up to? And he really seems to enjoy that, that mentorship role, I guess you could say. 
Um, I think he's kind of proud of it. And I, I think it's interesting that he's got uh, this really unique opportunity with the team right now where, I mean, it's not like those guys aren't around, right? But they're not on the ice every night. So him being the one that's out there, that is, I mean, what more could you want out of somebody to kind of be the, the leader or to be the, the role model, I guess you could say at this, at this juncture for the predators in the season, you've got these young guys, like you said, and this is who they're getting their marching orders from. This is who they're looking up to. Um, and that could have impacts, uh, an impact beyond just the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, it could really shift the mentality of a lot of these younger guys into what it means to be a team player. You know, what, what's valuable on a team isn't always scoring the winning goal. It may be shutting down the other team's best line all night. So I, I think that's, I don't know. I think he deserves a lot more recognition than he gets. Yeah. Well, he's going to listen to this podcast and he will get the recognition he, he wants, he wants and deserves. So I think you're right. He probably <laughs> does listen to this podcast. So, all right, that's going to conclude our show for this week. We'll be back at the regular schedule next week, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the Predators take on – oh, shoot, I should have had that pulled up. I got it right here. So the Predators take on the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow, Thursday, and then uh, they come back home for the St. Louis Blues on Saturday afternoon. Then they go to Dallas the following – what is that, Monday? Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we could just – keep in mind all of the uh outside of you know the boston win it's just the, the playoffs are still extremely unlikely um just considering the opponents and all the things that would have to happen but they are still only three points out of a playoff spot with two games in hand so got to keep that in mind they can do it they can technically do it's, it. it's still there yeah and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that the jets lost to to the to the sharks last night san jose sharks the worst team in hockey that's right all right thanks everybody for listening you check out all of our Preds coverage at a to z sports.com and follow me on twitter at alex31 follow sean at scsnsh we'll be back next week